Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Well, hello and welcome to Good Gab, where good people come together to talk about the good things we're doing in our community. Today, we have Danielle Palm from Palm Law, the owner, and uh, we're just so happy to have you today to talk about, you know, what's happening in the world of, you know, estates and elder law and all the good stuff that you're up to. Just thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, well, tell us more. What's happening in your world? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, as uh, you, you alluded to, I'm a local estate planning attorney. I do a lot of wills, trusts, durable powers of attorney. I do probate after somebody's passed away, small estate administration. I work with a lot of seniors who need to do some long-term care planning, might be facing some health issues or things where they just need to figure out, you know, what do I need to do and how do I plan for that? So, so I try to try to help as many people as I can. Yeah, uh, how long have uh, you had your practice? I just opened my own practice 15 months ago. All right. <laughs> and I have been, I have to be honest, I've been extremely blessed in doing that. I. Prior to opening my own practice, I worked at Gonzaga. Uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people in our community, there's actually a legal aid office at Gonzaga at the law school, and I worked in the elder law clinic. And what I quickly discovered during that work is if you fit into a certain you know, category of people, if you qualify for their services, uh, you, know, you might get some access to some legal resources. Um, they, primarily serve low-income seniors, Spokane County residents over the age of 60. The problem is a lot of people don't necessarily fit in perfectly into that category, uh, but they might not have the you know large amount of resources that they need to access attorneys. Sure. So my goal when I opened my practice was how can I, how can I fill, you know, how can I address the gap? There's a gap of people who aren't getting served, they're not getting their answers or their questions answered, how can they get access to an attorney but not have it break the bank and not have it uh, you know, be this whole rigmarole of, 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 of just trying to get that access that um, I just feel like attorneys are pretty inaccessible sometimes. So I've built my practice around that. I try to, you know, I charge lower rates than other attorneys charge. I do a lot of pro bono and low bono work in our area. Low bono being reduced, yeah. reduced fees. I love it. Uh, yeah, I try to work yeah. with people because I just don't want people to get missed. Uh, a lot of people, sometimes people just have a question and they don't know who to call and they need to ask an attorney and, and even just, ha you know, being able to take somebody's phone call and answer that sim simple question for them can make a huge difference for them. And so I, I try to do as much of that as I possibly can. Danielle, what drives that for you? Like, it's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, I, I just, I love, I love helping people. I, I like, you know, I like that I have a profession where I have a gift that I can share with the community. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of money and a lot of time uh, going to school to be able to do that. But I, I love that I have a prof profession that I can go to, enjoy the work, but also feel like I'm making a difference in people's lives every day. And not, you know, sometimes it's just a small difference. Sometimes it's a significant difference. But I just really enjoy the, uh, I guess, the gratitude and gratefulness that I, I get from clients. It just... It just, I don't know, fills me with yeah. joy, and it makes me feel that what I'm doing, I'm really making a difference in our community, trying to at least. Well, shoot, yeah, I can imagine just, yeah, waking up and being able to do that. Yeah. You want more. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy the work. I'm very fortunate. I've met, you know, we have a pretty phenomenal community here in the Spokane area, and there's a lot of people who do want to help. 
They really want True. to give back. And so I think it's just a matter of connecting with those people, you know, whether it's through uh, volunteer work or organizations or, uh, you know, legal aid offices or whatever it is, uh, finding really uh, people with the same mindset that we, we, we're all in this together. We've got to try to figure out how to capture those people who might uh, fall through the cracks otherwise. Well, being able to yeah, have access to the legal framework, just it makes sense. And when we catch people, yes, then they don't have to fall too far, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I have found is that a lot of times people don't have problems in isolation. You know, they might have a legal issue, but it overlaps with uh, what would probably be historically more social work or some other area that isn't my expertise. But part of what I love doing is how can I help them with the legal problem that, that they need? And how can I also connect them with whatever other resources they need in our community in order to be successful? So uh, one example is I recently, I have a client right now who suffers from uh, mental health issues, developmentally disabled. Uh, and when he came to me, he had specific legal issues, but he was also homeless. So I, you know, I, although it's not my job to necessarily to, to make sure that he's not homeless, I felt the need to try and help this person because he had fallen through the cracks. Uh, so I reached out to some local community members. I'm part of a wonderful organization called Senior Action Network of Eastern Washington. And I asked, asked my fellow members, hey guys, weird ask, but I've got a question. I've got a homeless client. I don't know where to start. Uh, homelessness in, in Spokane is, is such a huge issue right now. Wait lists for low income housing are you know, two, three years long. How can I help this guy? And immediately I had three people run up to me and say, I, I think I've got an answer for you or I can help you. And so, and incredibly within 10 days, um, that gentleman had a roof over his head. Really? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's being able, again, it's just sort of being able to do that teamwork and work with people uh, with similar uh, mindset that we've got to just kind of all work together to try to help as many people uh, with these legal issues, social issues, making sure they have the basic necessities of life and uh, that they're not all struggling. Absolutely. Well, that's, uh, you described it about people coming together and like, I think that's Spokane for you, that's right, right there. Yeah, it's the that's big right. little city where we're all, we're very much connected. Right. We know how to help. We want to help. Right. Yeah. And you know, I am in a profession that historically lawyers don't have the best reputation. You know, we, we kind of get this. And, and Definitely are the so, butt of many jokes. Yes, rightfully <laughs> so. Uh, but I like to try to prove that stereotype wrong. And I know yeah. there are other attorneys in our area who want to do the same thing. We have. You know, again, there's a lot. I call them, the, you know, the heart people. Yeah. And connecting with those heart people and uh, making sure, again, that we're just um, trying to offer as many services as we can because there's just not enough. We have some amazing uh, legal resources available to people here in the state of Washington, but unfortunately, it's just never enough. And so we have to try and try and uh, help as many as we can with the gifts that we're given. Well, yeah, the heart people have a find uh, have a way of finding each other. They right? do, yeah. and I uh, I will say a lot. Most of my business are referrals. I do a tiny bit of advertising, but I really don't need to because I just feel like I've met with such a I have I've developed such an incredible network of people who all know how I operate, what I'm able to offer them. They know when to ask me for help. They know when to tell me that somebody needs help, but they don't have the resources to be able to pay me. That's all right. Let's figure it out. 
uh, fortunately, I do have enough other clients who do have the ability to pay so it can pay the keep the lights on at my office. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I, I love serving everybody, but it's 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 being able to help those that uh, just can't get that access otherwise. So that kind of drives me to just keep doing it. What a cool practice. Yeah. Like Spokane's lucky to have you. Yeah. How did you make it here? I mean it here. It's kind of a throw a dart at the map kind of situation. I grew up over in You're brave. Yeah. I grew up in Northwest Montana. My husband was in the military for 20 years and we moved all over the place and we wanted, you know, find a place to land when he retired and finish raising our family. And I have to say Washington has some pretty amazing public schools, which is what really drove us to come to Washington. And then I wanted to to raise my kids in a sort of community that I grew up in. So we picked Liberty Lake and we just have completely fallen in love with this whole area and I don't see us leaving ever so I used to yeah. want to go back to Montana but my my opinion on that has changed we yeah. really love it here and we love the people here well I'm glad to hear that because yeah. yeah our community <laughs> is better with you in it oh thank yeah. you yeah we just have uh, I do love everything that this uh, our Spokane community has to offer uh, the entertainment is great and you know we've got good restaurants but we've got like you said, we've got good, uh, good heart, good community is here. And although, you know, um, people don't always see eye to eye on some of the tough issues, I feel like at the end of the day, most people want the same things for the, for people. Yeah. Positive change, right? Yeah, like the, absolutely. the needle. Yeah. I, I keep thinking about always hearkening back to right now, you know, Spokane is really the, our homelessness is through the roof and, you know, helping trying to figure out how to deal with that and how to handle that and how to get the help for those people that they need in order to to succeed and so whatever we all need to do to try to help make that happen I don't know what the solution yeah. is but that's for that's for other people to figure out totally but it's just that point of being that things are solvable right right that's right we're humans we're creative we can overcome a lot of things right but if you just talk like it's not you can't change it right well you won't right right so absolutely and it's just such a teamwork thing that's the thing is we have to all come in we're all we all have things to offer it might be time it might be money it might be ideas uh, but whatever it is that we have to offer we've got to bring it to the table and uh, I feel like people really do show up here so I I'm I'm very proud to be part of it and I, uh, whatever I can do to, to be even a small piece of that, I, I want to do, so. Well, like as you describe as a team, I know, um, like in my volunteer work, uh, I'm on the board of Spokane Catholic Housing Ventures, mm -hmm. and, you know, we're, we're building a lot of stuff, we're yep. uh, helping people, you know, catch people as they become, you know, not just necessarily the homeless, but houseless, right. and uh, trying to get them housed, and helping people off the street get housed, and it's uh, it's hard work. It is. And uh, the people doing it on the front line, they're dedicated, and I just, there's a, a magic about them that's like, when we come together as a team, no, we can solve this. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's important, uh, another one of my goals is to try to teach that to people as much as possible, not only our own families and children, but uh, I enjoy, I, I have, again, the privilege of being able to, I teach at Gonzaga at the law school as an adjunct professor, and I love being able to impart on these, up, you know, upcoming attorneys why it's so important of, you know, 
why it's so important to practice a certain way or to give back where you can. And we all have different goals and we're all gonna go into different areas of law, but that doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean you can't give back in whatever way that you can. And some people do a little bit and some people will do a lot, but whatever you can give back makes a huge difference in people's lives. And absolutely, so, that cumulativeness, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think teaching younger generation to, you know, why it's so important that we're, uh, we have to, again, take the gift that we're given, which is whether it's education or financial or time, and be able to share that with other people is, is well, for me, it's vital to my happiness, and I know that it's contributed to my happiness, and, and I'd like to, you know, impart on them that it really can make a huge difference in your own life to be able to share that with people. I'm curious. Tell us more about um, the young people that you're, you're in front of, you're teaching, like, do they have service in their blood? Like, yes, I think I think it's absolutely yeah. there. Uh, I just think they need to be shown how it can be done because when we go to law school, a lot of it's academic based. We're learning about you know from books about cases and case law and, and things dating back a couple hundred years to you know law in England. Uh, I think that teaching them how to practice, how to take those skills and practice, uh, is absolutely vital. And a lot of times we don't get a lot of that in law school. And so, but I, what I found is when we do that, when I show them, I come in as a practitioner, not as a, a professional academic professor, but as, a, as somebody that's out in the field doing this day in and day out, they absolutely want to be part of that. And I think, I think it's there. I, I think it's there. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful too. Like, yeah. the, you know, in our world at SkillScan, when we're, you know, teaching like young managers, you know, what it looks like to be in this workforce, I'm pretty happy to see this new generation right. of people coming up. I just, I'm feeling like they're the heart people. Right. And yeah, we just have to help mold that and, and instill some of that service aspect. And, and show them how to do it. Yes. You know, I, I, it's important for me, I try to share that with my own children. You know, they see me doing these things. They see me volunteering. I bring them to the activities when, you know, we're allowed, we do a, with Senior Action Network of Eastern Washington, we do an annual rake and run where we, we go to people's homes and who can't you know rake their own yard, seniors uh, who can't rake their own yard, so we rake their yard and we run, you know, that's part of it. And so, and having them be part of that and see why, why that makes such a huge difference. Raking somebody's leaves, being able to give that gift to them can be so huge for people. And it's just such a small thing. And, but as a group, it takes us 10 minutes to do. And it has a you know, huge impact on that. It has a huge life. impact on that person's yeah. life, and that's why I think even taking that one phone call or answering that one email, uh, taking five minutes or maybe sometimes it's thirty minutes. You know, whatever it is, I, I get a call, but whatever I can, whatever piece I can offer that person and bring some sort of uh, reduce their stress levels, bring some sort of uh, peace of mind to them, I'm absolutely going to offer that when I can. So. Well, that's how we change the world, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Well, I have some questions for you around, you know, some of the work that you're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Like, our, our listeners, we hear a lot at SkillSkin, you know, maybe an aging parent. Mm -hmm. they, they have an adult with a disability, may, might live with them. Sure. And they just haven't made any future plans. What would you tell a parent who's starting to think about, hey, I won't be here someday. What am I going to do? We, you, we need to help you right now. <laughs> we need to get some, some sort of uh, documentation in place. We need to get a plan in place for that adult child. 
there's a lot of tools that we have available to us to try and set that adult child up for success. One is, you know, offering payee services. One might be trying to figure out a way to make sure they have secure housing when the parent is gone. Uh, getting the adult, uh, if, if the adult child is able to execute durable powers of attorney, doing those so that somebody else could step in after mom or dad is gone and help them. So just making sure that we can do as much planning and preparation for that day when they aren't going to be there to help their adult child, uh, you know, so that the adult child has the best chance of, of succeeding out there without in the world without them. And I, unfortunately, a lot of people wait right. until, you know, they're really um, in advanced age before doing something. And, you know, I guess it's good that, that they've been able to succeed with that uh, situation for so long, but we always just want to make sure we're getting them the help that they need before it's too late and they're gone and now this adult child is is flailing out there and we don't we don't want that to happen because they've relied on that parent for so long and now their their parents gone so absolutely yeah. planning is key not only and it's sort of a misnomer that people think well you know I don't need to do that any of this until I'm older you know right I don't have a lot of money I I'm not old enough, you know, we all think we're invincible, but the reality is that everybody needs to do this planning. Anybody 18 years and older needs to do some planning. And I don't care what your asset level is, I don't care what your family situation is, everybody needs to do estate planning documents or some, you know, some sort of planning. It's the amount of stress and money and time that can be saved by doing a simple document you know is is incredible so i fell into that trap yeah. like yeah just in the last three years i finally did some estate planning good for you and, right well it was from a nudge of one of my friends yeah. who's an attorney he's like yes. you're crazy like make right make life easier right and i just didn't understand some of the complexities that happened absolutely in, you know, someone passes and, well and yeah especially you know family people with small children you know Make a, making a plan that if something happens to the parents, who do you, what do you want to have happen? Who, what do you want to take care of your children? Who do you want to be in charge of your money? That kind of thing. So it's absolutely, even kids going off to college. I just got an email from a colleague who said, my kid's going off to college in the fall. And I heard that durable powers of attorney are a good idea. I'm like, absolutely. Because your child is 18 years old. He's a legal adult. And you have no legal authority anymore over technically over his finances i mean even if you're paying for college right the bank's not going to let you into his account unless you've got documentation in place and so uh i just get so many tragic phone calls from people who didn't plan properly and now the solution isn't a good one whatever that solution might be it's going to be an expensive solution or a time-consuming solution and so i do find a lot of people are prompted to call me because of things they witness in other people's lives tragedy yeah, stress you know my neighbor went through this or my family member went through this and I want to avoid that at all costs what do I need to do but we don't want to wait until it's so bad that now our options are limited let's do it when we have complete control over all decisions and it just makes everything easier so I'll raise my hand to that one yeah. and say it was a lot yeah. more simple than I thought right I was surprised at the conversations that happened between my wife and I though yeah about some of the things that actually we right. need to get on the same page about like who and that do we was, want to raise our kids yes that who was would a we big want one. to be in charge of our money yes yeah. 
when yeah. to give, you know, our money yes. to our kids. Yes. At what age? Yes. Yeah. I will say, that's a funny <laughs> question when I ask people that. Because most people agree an 18-year-old should not end up with any substantial amount of money. But I did have some clients once who told me 40. Oh. They weren't going to give their kids their money until they were 40. And I was like, wow, you really don't trust your kids yeah. to, to be very financially responsible. But hey, um, family dynamics absolutely play into all of this, though. Every family is so different. Uh, every family situation, uh, you know, is unique. And so I do, we have to work around that. There's no one size fits all on any of this for anybody. Uh, I do get a lot of people who come to me apologetically, you know, my, I'm, you know, I, they'll say my family's so dysfunctional or my house is such a mess or whatever the situation is. And I'm like, listen, no judgment zone here. I am not here. I don't, care what your house looks like I don't care you know how dysfunctional your family is uh, at the end of the day I'm here to serve you and whatever we need to do to make that happen I just want you to know I'm not I'm not here to judge you so uh, and that's it's hard for people to you know sometimes it's just people are embarrassed it's sure. hard for them to ask for help when they need it but um, I recently had a woman call me uh, wanting to set up an appointment with me but she didn't realize my office was in Liberty Lake and they don't drive on the highway anymore. So I told her, you know, explained to her, I'm happy to come to you. I don't charge to, to do that. I, you know, happy to come to your house. And she said, I, I have to admit, I'm really embarrassed for you to come to my house. I had a health issue a couple years ago. I haven't been able to clean. I said, again, no judgment zone here. I said, I honestly, I've been in houses all over the Spokane area in every sort of condition you can imagine, and I am not the type of person you need to worry about that with because, you know, people just, um, I don't know, they need to feel like, they need to feel, you know, secure and not embarrassed for asking for the help that they need in whatever situation they might be in. What a gift to yeah. be able to give your clients. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I tell I people see. I love doing yeah. it, and I'm like, I hope you can tell I love doing this work. So I really do love it, and uh, and there are a lot of really great people out there in our community that love doing the same thing, so. Well, I again, I've said it before, but I'm happy you're a part of Spokane. Yeah, well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I have felt, um, I have been so welcomed here, and I have to say, I've moved all over the country in our military years, and uh, all different regions, and I have always felt so welcomed in this community. Everybody's uh, been so gracious. And I just, like I said, I don't think I expected to fall in love with this area as much and as quickly as I did. So uh, I think my husband and I sort of figured we'd be here until the kids graduated sure. and then we'd probably migrate. Sure. No, we're not going. And, and I told him once I started my business, I'm like, we can't go anywhere for at least like 15 years because I'm starting a business. So, yeah. So Spokane's Spokane stuck with me. So uh, <laughs> yeah, right. we're, we're here for the long haul, but uh, really is a beautiful community that we have here. And so I'm just happy to be part of it. What are some of the things about this community, about this area that, um, that you really enjoy or that, that you like? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, well, I do like, I do like, I see a, a big, I do like the heart factor. There is a lot of heart here. And I don't know that I've seen that as much in other places that I've lived. And maybe it's because I've lived in larger, you know, larger cities or uh, tinier communities. Uh, but there's just something, and I, I don't know, I don't know if it's just the tradition here. I don't know if it's the, the Jesuit tradition. I don't know if it's I don't really know that part. I haven't been here long enough. But 
Spokane really has this uh, this unique. Uh, again, I keep going. We keep going back to the word heart, but this unique heart to it, and it really seems to sort of surpass usually surpass political affiliations, religious affiliations. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It just those things often don't matter. I mean, of course, they always matter. But we can, it, a lot of us can look beyond that and say, you know, we really shouldn't be having those conversations. Let's talk about the human aspect of it. Let's talk about, uh, you know, Camp Hope. Let's right. talk about what, what that looks like. What, is, what does that practically uh, practic look like practically every day for those folks that are having um, to live down there? And so uh, I do like that part. I feel like uh, overall... I have felt very welcomed to the community here. People don't care where I'm from. Again, don't care where I'm yeah. from, whether I've lived here forever. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know if it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of people see that welcome welcome sign uh, when it comes to Spokane. So we've got this migration of, of folks moving in and uh, driving our housing prices up like through no the roof, doubt. Uh, making it even more difficult for low-income folks to find housing and secure housing that way. But uh, I don't know. There's just something. I, it's hard to put my finger on it, but there's just something pretty magical about this place. I thought about last night. I was on an airplane. I was coming back from Atlanta, and last week I was in Minneapolis. This week I was in Atlanta, and it just it was reflecting on the cities. And one thing that was different for me is like people wave here and they say yes. hi when you're walking. Yes, that they just... look. They look at you in the eye, and yes. they're not afraid to. And if you say hi back, or if you say hi to them, they're, they don't think you're, you know, that you're just crazy or something. Like, <laughs> right. You're in a big city, and they're like, "Why are you? I'm, you're suspicious because you're." Totally. Yeah. I had to like shut my smile down and yeah, yeah not, don't look in the eye. I was on the subway in Atlanta. I was like, okay, well, this is the tradition here. Right. Don't look, don't smile. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that I, I think that people uh, here are hardy. Like, I just think people work hard. Not that they aren't the rest, but people here, they just, they really work hard for what they have. Uh, they, they save their whole lives and they just try to. Um, there's, there's just a really uh, strong history here. I've really enjoyed slowly starting to learn about that history. And uh, we have some great local authors that, yes. you know, will share that history with us in their books. And uh, it's really cool to learn about Spokane. There's a lot, there's a lot of, it, things have been going on here for a long time. Uh, when I was growing up, Spokane was the big city. You know, when I grew up in a small town in Montana, it was like, you know, it was the big city. This is where you come to shop. Come to and, shop, yeah. yeah. All the rich kids got yeah. to come and do school clothes shopping in Spokane and, you know, do that. But uh, Or, you know, if you needed good medical care, you had to come to Spokane. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's just it's just a great place. And it's, it's exploding, obviously. And so uh, hopefully we can make room for everybody and it doesn't start getting too crowded. But... Uh, well, I, I hope so because, yeah, what we have here, I just want to, yeah keep changing the world i know yeah it is a really great place though and i think you know on top of we just have so, so much access to some beautiful you know scenery and and hiking and fishing and skiing and all the the fun recreational stuff too and you can kind of go in any direction and within you know within 20 to 30 minutes you're somewhere you know you're in the middle of nowhere so. and beautiful generally absolutely yeah, yeah. So. Well, Danielle, what's happening else in the world of, you know, estates, elder law, like anything that our listeners should really like 
start paying attention to? Or? Yeah, um, you know, everybody, well, not everybody, but uh, most people, I suppose, are really, right now we've got this interesting legislation going on in Washington with our payroll tax, long-term care planning, right. like Medicaid. And that's a huge one. Uh, it's pretty uh, monumental. We're the first state in the union to try and uh, pass legislation of that kind. Uh, there's a lot of other states watching us right now to see what happens with that. Uh, obviously, it wasn't successful the first time they tried to push it through. I sort of predicted that. I I figured some of the some of the terms of it were probably not going to pass muster, uh, at least with. Uh, you know, you would have some legal challenges there. And I think that, you know, our, our state government recognized that before pulling the trigger on it. But, uh, you know, we need to keep an eye on that. And that's going to affect anybody that works in the state of Washington, if, you know, whether they're going to be subject to that tax or not, and whether they need to go start looking at their own long-term care policies. Because that's one of the things right now, it's a, just such a huge topic is long-term care. Right. There's not enough money. Uh, we're having, you know, I one of my colleagues refers to it as a, it's referred to as a silver tsunami right now. Uh, we have a lot of aging seniors, uh, baby boomers. There was a huge, you know, population growth during that generation, and they're turning, they're they're becoming seniors now, and you know, we're living longer, and we can't haven't all been able to save for long term care, and it's it's how is that going to be paid for? And so really, uh, you know, that I think is kind of the hot up and coming topic right now because we do have so many seniors because there aren't enough resources out there. And the state is really uh, trying to keep up with it. But the number of uh, people needing, you know, our largest program being Medicaid, uh, number of people needing Medicaid is just, you know, exploded. And so making sure that uh, People understand the rules of Medicaid. A right. lot of people, that's probably the most common questions I get are around Medicaid rules and how it works. And everybody thinks, you know, oh, the state's going to come and take my house or the state's going to come and take this. And me sort of, I, I enjoy trying to educate people on, that's not quite how it works, but let me explain to you how it does work so that you can plan for that. Because as much as the, mo the more advanced planning we can do in that realm, the better especially when people have finite amount of resources. They've retired and they're like, okay, this has to last me for the rest of my life. It's scary. Um, how can I make that happen? <laughs> Even if I'm perfectly healthy, but then if you throw in a health crisis, uh, then we really have to do some planning. Uh, fortunately, again, if you go to the right people, get your questions answered, they can connect you with other people in this uh, area that can help, uh, whether somebody's looking for assisted living, or um, any sort of long-term care option, it's good for people to know what their options are with, and to, to take advantage of what they have and to make it try and last the rest of their life. Well, if you have a little bit of planning, you get to choose too, that's right? right? It's not chosen for you. That's right, and that's absolutely the thing I tell people is if we don't plan, there's gonna end up being a lot of unintended consequences and you may not like those consequences. So let's do the planning now while you have complete control You've complete autonomy and you get to decide exactly how you want this to look like now we can't predict everything but I you know I we, we can we can at least plan for it you know and uh, plan for it hope for the best plan for the worst kind of situation so uh, there's a lot of problems we can mitigate by just doing you know one simple document if I had to, tell, to, if I had to get up on a on a soapbox <laughs> and tell people to me, the most important document a person needs to have is a durable power of attorney. 
because you know if if something happens to you and you and you're still alive but you haven't given anybody authority to help you keep your life going to access your bank accounts pay your bills talk to your insurance company it can create a huge mess so if i had to if yeah. i had to do one thing it would tell the world go get durable powers of attorney even if you can't do anything else go do that and is that a costly thing to do no but no okay in fact uh i you know i don't um i don't charge a lot to do those but if there, there sometimes i get calls for people who are like i just want to do them on my own how can i do that uh, i do not love in overall i don't love legal forms online but Washington does provide us work. Washington such a great state in so many ways. Uh, we have some really good, uh, Northwest Justice Project actually is one of our legal, largest legal aid providers throughout the state. And they've created this beautiful website called WashingtonLawHelp.org. And that website has so many great forms on there, free forms. So, and what they've done is they've partnered with Seattle University Law School and they've created forms. So they've created durable powers of attorney that will work perfectly as needed. And so when client, when people call me and say, I don't wanna to come to a lawyer at all, please just tell me where can I get these forms? Uh, I tell them, okay, you know, absolutely, I respect, respect your decision. I don't trust online forms, except I do know these are good forms to use. So it doesn't have to be an expensive endeavor. So yeah, if you need a little bit more hand-holding, you, yes. can, you can engage with an attorney like Absolutely. yourself. It's Absolutely. not expensive. Absolutely. And sometimes yeah. I do, um, I you know, and again, I, I do a lot of uh, low bono work, so, you know. I if, love that term, by the way. Yeah, isn't that a great term? Yes. People are like, what does that mean? Are you on a sliding <laughs> scale? I might, you know, sometimes I have an honest conversation with a client. I'll say, you know, they'll say, well, I, you know, I don't expect this for free, but I can't afford X. And I'll say, well, what, what can you afford? What are you able to pay? And because I think people genuinely want, they want to pay, they want to participate in that way, if they can. And so I, I you know, I work with people on that. And I, I, you know, I don't want cost to ever be a barrier between uh, somebody getting the help that they need or not. And so there's been times where I will, uh, <laughs> I don't know, sometimes I'll go and I listen to my gut a lot. So, you know, I'll meet with a client and we'll talk about a fee. And then there's just something that tells me, no, this one, this one you just need to give them because it's, they need, they need the help. They need that extra because even, even a couple hundred bucks is, is, can be so uh, huge to somebody. It makes, you know, it's such a um, significant amount of money in their life. When you think, uh, the average, you know, somebody on SSI, they, they live on $800 a month. Right. That's for everything yeah. in their life. So if I'm charging a, a couple hundred bucks to do any amount of work, I've just taken, you know, a, a quarter of what they bring in for the month. I can't do that. I just, it, I can't do that. So, and I won't do that. Well, it's uh, incredible. Yeah. I know uh, that's a bone that I have to pick, you know, in the SSI world or disability, you know, SSI, you can only work so many hours before your That's benefits right. start to go away. And it just blows my mind. I wish, yeah. you know, I'd really like to see a change in, the, in that world. If you can only work 20 hours uh, a week, but you're able to work more, right. but you're afraid that you might lose That's your medical right. care. That's or, right. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about 
uh, SSI and, and people who aren't able to work and disability. And I, I worked in this area long this area of law long enough to realize that those are not easy programs to get qualified for. Right. They don't make it easy. Uh, it's not something you can just fill out a form and they're going to start sending you a check. That's it's it's incredibly difficult to do. The state, you know, they 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 don't give it to you unless you absolutely you need it, and they make yes. you prove it. Yes, they do over and over, <laughs> over and over every year. And so, uh, you know, I do try to sort of I like to um, again educate people on, you know, this we call it welfare, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, people people who get those benefits, there's a reason that they're receiving those benefits, and it's because they need them. Absolutely. And that's been my overall experience. Now, again, I have not, you know, I'm basing it on my experience working here, and I'm sure that you go to different states and different cities and regions, uh, it might be a different scenario. All I can really talk to is sure. Spokane area, Washington State. But I, what I've seen overall is that, uh, you know, people genuinely usually do want to work, they do want to pay for their things. They, they want to be able to do things, but life has just, something in their life has, has prevented them from being able to do those things. And so, uh, and sometimes it is by choices, but sometimes it's not. Right. It's just a life situation. You know, it could be a health crisis. It could be a family death. doesn't matter. It's just, um, you know, they're stuck. And they... I just, I, I, it hurts my heart when they start to feel hopeless, like they, there's yes. nothing they can do and they're in this, you know, just this wheel of, of hopelessness. And, and uh, I like to be able to pull them out of that even just for a moment of, it's not hopeless, there, there is a solution. Uh, sometimes I can offer a solution, sometimes I can't. But sometimes people just wanna know, right? They just wanna know. So it's being able to, to, to answer those questions for them that can make a world of difference. That's how I feel, you know, in you know, my work is just being able to, what a job brings to someone. Right. It's just, it's more than just money. Right. It's community, it's belonging. It's camaraderie. Purpose. Yeah. Camaraderie, Absolutely. yes. It is, having friends. Yeah. I mean, some of these people are, some of my clients are incredibly lonely. Yeah. Uh, they don't have uh, a lot of, a huge network social network or family network around them and so even you know having those opportunities to just engage with other humans right that's a base level of yeah. humanity yeah. we need each yeah. other we need that engagement yeah. even yeah. like even even hugs people need hugs i find so many clients who go to shake my hand um and i'll always shake a hand but there's just certain ones i'm like do you need a hug like can i give you a hug because i feel like we really missed out on that. I mean, people need it anyway, and then we missed out on it because of the pandemic and we weren't allowed to touch for two years. So now we can hug again, or some, some people can hug, and I love being able to just give them that human contact because a lot of them live in isolation, or again, they just don't, they don't get that. And sometimes a hug can make a huge difference in somebody's life. Well, you've heard it here, everyone. A hug <laughs> can change the world. A hug can change the world. And I believe it. I believe that. <laughs> I know. I love, and I love hugs. I love good hooks. You're you like know? my cousin. Yeah, yes, I know. I, feel I know. Yeah, I think that that human that yeah. human touch really can make a huge difference to somebody. Well, Danielle, just really appreciate you being here. Any uh, parting thoughts for you know our listeners? Uh, you know, I just encourage people to to plan. 
you know, start thinking about these things. If you're not sure what you need, call me or call a lawyer or, you know, even start doing some online research, whatever your comfortable uh, medium is, you know, just ask those questions, figure those things out because planning can do, like I said earlier, it can just save an immense amount of uh, stress later in your life. And so, uh, you know, it's good for everybody. And it, like I said, asset level doesn't matter. Uh, age doesn't matter. Uh, I really think it's important for everybody to think about these these things that are often difficult questions. We don't want to talk about death and capacity and all those things, but we have to because that's one guarantee is that we're all going to die at some point. So <laughs> we do want to want to plan for that and try to give that gift to ourselves and to our families so that they don't have to uh, deal with, with whatever mess we, we might leave them with. So. Well, thank you so much. This is so enlightening. Thank you. Yeah, thank I know you for listeners. having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Yeah, well, and thanks to our sponsor, SkillSkin. Um, you know, we appreciate uh, what they do for us and in our community. Absolutely. Yeah, helping adults with disabilities uh, find employment. and. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a good world. It is a good world. Thanks, Danielle. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. <laughs> All right.